name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So at the end of the gospel, we hear these beautiful words. God has visited his people. That's profound. God, the creator of the universe, sustainer of everything, has done what? Visited his people. And you know what he's doing right now? He's visiting his people. He's visiting you. That's why you come here. That's why we stand among our beloved friends, right? Because God has visited his people. He's here with us. I could probably sit here for the next 10 minutes and just be quiet, right? And you could contemplate that one thing. God has visited his people. He's here. Miss Ida, I love you. You're the best. This is so critical for us to understand. He's with us always, but especially when we come here. It's a very beautiful thing that there's a, there's a power that God allows to be manifest in his sanctuary. It was the way in Israel, it's the way today. It's a powerful thing when God visits his people and he comes here to visit us and we come here to visit him. It's very critical that we understand that, that, that we are engaging in this relationship with our Savior who came to visit his people. So what's that mean to us? How do we respond to this? I want to take a couple of uh, examples from the, the, uh, the epistle text um, and just talk a little bit about each of them. The first was, uh, these things struck me as I was reading the scriptures this week, do not accept the grace of God in vain. God is visiting us. He's with us. Don't accept this in vain. Don't let this just kind of roll over us as, well, that's nice. Let's go get a hot dog. Don't do that. It's got to get deep into our souls. Don't accept this in vain. This is how we are to walk every day, all the time. God's visiting me. God is with me. I don't accept that with, with, in vain like it, it comes and then I just go on to do the next thing in my life. No, it's a constant relationship that we want with him. Do not accept this grace in vain. Allow it to be deeply etched in your soul. His presence, his love for you, his desire to, to expand your, your heart, to love more, to be more virtuous. You know, we are, one of the troubles with this is that we live in a society where we are very privileged. We have a lot of stuff. That's, we're, we, are of, we are probably, in this room, we are in the top 5% of the rich in the world. There's 95 people that don't have what we have. And that, to, to some of us, can be a curse can be a difficulty because we begin to expect it. 
I expect pleasure, right? I need a good job. I need a nice house. I need a good family. I need good health. I need everything. That's what we are, that's what we're born into, right? This privilege. God blesses his people. There's no doubt about that. And thank God for his blessings, right? We thank him when he blesses us. That's a very good thing. But the other side of this is we begin to resent when we go through difficulties and we go through pains and struggles. We begin to resent that. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Well, beloved, guess what? It's the way it's supposed to be. You need rain and you need sunshine, right? Sometimes the garden needs to be tilled and the weeds need to be pulled out. That's, that's difficulties. That's struggles. That's pain. That's suffering. Those things are opportunities for us to draw near to God and to weed out the, the, the vices that beset us. There's two examples of this that I want to share with you. One, I remember years and years ago, I was working with a family with one of their children. And it was a very desperate situation. And we were praying and we were dealing with this constantly for uh, months and months and months. And finally, there came a breakthrough. Thanks be to God. It was a very beautiful thing. And there was kind of a, a, a healing that went on. And the wife came to me uh, about a week later. She says, Father, you know, I'm so happy that this has worked out. But, you know, I'm also very sad because I don't feel as close to God as I did when I was going through this. I've lost that intensity. I'm just kind of back into the ho-hum. I lost the intensity of my spiritual life. That's what pain and struggle can do for us. That's the blessing of it. That's the blessing of it. It allows us to intensify our work before Christ, with God, and God with us. Another good example of this is, I don't know, many of you know Ziggy, who is a beautiful Ethiopian lady who was in Santa Maria. Pharmacist went and bought uh, some land back in Ethiopia and housed 25 indigent old people who were on the street. She went back there and she says, I can't, I can't live here anymore. I need to go back and do this. So she brought them in, built a home for them, took care of them, brought them off the street, put them in beds, gave them food. And she said, Father Nicholas, you know, five of those people came to me and says, Ziggy, I love what you're doing, thank you, but I need to go back to the street. I've lost my prayer. My, my struggle was my salvation. I need to go struggle again. I need to struggle again. Now, I don't expect you to do that. <laughs> I don't expect me to do that. But you understand what I'm saying here? How important struggle and pain is in life? It draws us near to God. We don't resent it. We step into it. We lean into it. We ask God to help us. We allow that moment to make our life with him more deeper, greater, stronger. So, God has visited his people. Let us draw near to him in our struggles and pains. And this next thing uh, in the scripture, in the text, the epistle text, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And I was thinking of this in regard to 
there's a great little phrase in orthodoxy, kind of orthodox spirituality, that says, do what you're doing. Be present. Why is that? Why is that a good thing? Because God isn't in yesterday. And God isn't in tomorrow. You know where God is? He's not only not in today, he's into only right now. This is your salvation. Where is it? It's now. It's this moment. It's this moment with him. Not anticipating something to come, not dealing with something in the past, but being present now with him. In this one moment, he is here now. He's in the words we, we speak them. You know, I, I know for all of us, we're, we have, I don't know how many words are in the liturgy. Thousands of words, right? You know, every once in a while, you get a word. Help us. Save us. Have mercy on us. Keep us, O oh God, by your grace. That, see, that can just run over us if we're not in the now. If we're not present in that word. We need to be present in all the words that we hear in the liturgy. Not letting our mind wander here and there. They, it does. When it does, we just bring it back. But God is in each of these words. He's present in the word. He is the word. He comes to us through these words, and we need to understand how important it is to be present in the moment. Because that's where God is. That's where he visits us. He visits us now, in the moment. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the time of our salvation. You know, there was a, a great story of an old monk who was visited by one of his uh, uh, disciples. And the disciple came to him and said, Father, you know, I have so many obediences. I have so much to do today. I'm so busy. And the old monk says, no, you have one thing to do. So just do that one thing. And then guess what's next? The next one thing. So how many things do you have to do today? Just being here now. Just now. You have only one thing to do. That's a great thing. I've been working with this a little bit. You know, life can get very busy for a priest. And you look at the day and you go, oh my gosh, look at all the things I got to do today. Ah! No. How many things do I have to do? One. Just one. Because that's where God is. He's in the one thing I'm doing. That's so powerful. Be present. Today is the day of preservation. This is the time. This is the moment. Now. He's with us now. We all fly off. Back into the past. Out into the future. And guess where God is? <laughs> right here. Right in the moment. In your morning prayers, when you're fixing breakfast, when you're on the way to work, when you're talking to your people at work, when you're coming back home in the car, God's not waiting for you back in your apartment. He's in the car with you. Be with him. We do this all the time. We're always out in front of ourselves. Or if something happens bad in life, we're always back there. Right? Ah, oh, those rotten people. 
I'm quitting those. That's where we live. We live back here or we live out here. But where is God? Now, in the moment. Now is the acceptable time. So lastly, I just want to encourage you because we hear these, this happens uh, through the letters of St. Paul and many of the saints, and you know this in the, the life of the martyrs, the difficulties they go through, through endurance and, and afflictions and hardship and calamities and beatings, imprisonment and tumults and labors, watching hunger by purity, by knowledge, forbearance, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, the power of God, and the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and from the left, in honor and dishonor, and ill repute and good repute. We're treated as impostors yet true, as unknown yet well-known, dying yet we live, and punished but we're not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing but possessing What's this mean? What is this? These are all, they seem so contradictory, all these terms. You know, uh, uh, we, we read this in Romans chapter 8. It's very beautiful. If God is with us, who can be against us? If God's with us, who can be against us? All things work for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. How many things work for good? All things. If God is with us, who can be against us? Remember this homily Father John used a quote from St. John, John Chrysostom and said, of these verses, he says, we have a faith against which nothing can be You have a faith against which nothing can be done. Yet dying, we live. Being made poor, we make many rich. Having nothing, we possess. You have a faith against which nothing can be done. You just have to live in Christ with that, right? God has visited his people. We can live out in our own emotions. We can live in that emotional world, that world of kind of turmoil, but if we live in that, other, in that world, that world with God and God with us, we can live this way. We can live in this faith against which nothing can be done. So I want to end with this, because this is beautiful. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then St. Paul ends this letter, this chapter in Ephesians. This is beautiful. I want you to take this. I want you to trust the Lord in this. Now to him, because we're all struggling with stuff, right? We all come with stuff. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, 
world without end. Amen. God bless you this week.